Thanks, guys. Oh, it is really good to be here. It's nice to look around and see everyone. It's great to see um, Chrissy here. I, we haven't seen you in ages, Chrissy. It's so good to see you. I think you were here last week too, but we just weren't here. And anyone else visiting today? Hope you're enjoying the service and, yeah, you feel at home. So, uh, as I said earlier, last week in church, uh, we weren't here, but it sounded amazing and I was able to catch up on SoundCloud to the message that Dad spoke in. If you missed it and you would like to catch up too, just let us know and we'll send you the link so that you can catch up and I'll unpack that a little bit more in a minute. But I don't know who was here for my last message on encouragement, but I hope everyone has been since then um, just giving courage to others in a greater way and I guess, uh, yeah, stretching themselves in that. Um, you might have remembered too, I shared a story about this incredible lady at Woolworths who uh, was just encouraging everyone who came through the checkouts and I was just blown away by how, what a beautiful encourager she was and I told an animated story about her. Anyway, good old Mandy Lee, where's Mandy? Amazing Mandy. She um, went and told this lady that I had spoken about her and then gave her the link to the sermon. I was like, oh my gosh, what did I say? <laughs> and, um, but this lady listened to it and loved it and then sent it on to her family and I just thought, how good is that? She might be listening now. Hi Priscilla. <laughs> Um, you just never know where SoundCloud's going to go, but it is pretty cool, and I thought that is so good that God can bless, and I, she encouraged me, but hopefully that message was able to encourage her. What an awesome season we are in, hey, where the heavens are open, and maybe where doors were once closed, and things that we might just never have dreamed of happening are happening. People's hearts are just open, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that as I go on, and I really feel that this message um, that is on my heart is significant. And I feel like it will continue to make sense of the season um, that we've been in and continue to propel us into the season ahead and position us well for that. So last week, for those who weren't here, I'll just quickly unpack it a little bit because it does connect in with what I'm saying. Probably should just get Dad up here to do it, but I will attempt. (laughs) Um, Oh, side note, how well did the worship team do this morning? Ron was coughing up a lung this morning, but your voice came good throughout that. It's God. And, uh, yeah, drugs. <laughs> Dad spoke through a horse voice last week too, and Lapani wasn't well. And Ryan has been sick this week, so Lapani and the team stepped up, and, you know, God is good, and those guys pulled it together so well at the last minute. But Dad spoke on last week how God has entrusted his reputation to us to represent him to a generation and what a great responsibility that is and how we can either magnify God with the way we live or we can diminish him and that's a, it was a really good challenge. Are we actually showing the goodness and the grace and the greatness of God by the way we live or are we making God or Christianity look ugly and it was a great challenge and you know he spoke on one heart and one accord and that people will know there is a God by our love for one another. So I'm going to unpack that more as I go on. And I love what Dad prophesied, that this God is going to use this church to magnify him powerfully. And I just think um, that is so true and uh, was such a great word. And wasn't it good to be reminded, as Dad said, of all the churches that have come out of Aladella from Wagga to Kondo to Sydney to Kolbara, the, the church plants that have been, I guess, sent out from this place. And not only is this church a blessing to this community, but we've been a part of being a blessing to many other communities. And I just think, maybe encouraged by that church, there's a far-reaching influence that comes from here. And as Dad said, we're not done being a sending church yet. And I think that's really exciting. And I feel that God is actually positioning us to step into some newness and to some largeness. And I think we're just on the verge of some wide open, expansive spaces. And I think we're actually going to be blown away with what God does in the next season and how he's positioned us um, in the last season for the next season. Okay, so... You know, I love what Dad said too about not misinterpreting the few less rows here for lack. And, uh, or just not misinterpreting it, but I think you could misinterpret it for lack. And we've shared this with our team, but I'll share it here too. In this season, there has been a sifting. Some people have moved on. And I think God has actually been working divinely through this. And I think he has, through that, 
God works all things together for good for those who love him. I think he's positioned us in a place of great strength. There's a one heart, one accord, a unity, a oneness here, which I am really excited about. And I guess you could see with our natural eyes and think it looks like there's been a cutback, but is what I actually feel is, if we're not looking with natural eyes, behind what the eye can see, there's been an increase in the spirit. Roots have gone down deep. There's been an expansion of heart and togetherness. And so I just think, may we not look immediately at what the eye sees. And there is a place to process that, but... In my spirit, I am really excited for what this represents. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that this morning. And I actually had um, my message written for this uh, morning a couple of weeks ago when my mum had the kids in Sydney when Josh and the boys were in New Zealand. So that was great to have that time. But I've um, I've actually been sitting on it for a few months since we went to our National Apostolic Conference in Queensland. A man named Mark Varese who has planted uh, flourishing churches all around the world and just an amazing teacher communicator shared a message on unity which I want to pa- unpack a little bit more with us this morning. I feel like it would be a miss of us not to pass it on. We've shared it with our team but I feel like I've got some secrets, some kingdom keys here that I want to share with you this morning and lots of the stuff that dad spoke last week. It just ties in so well with everything that I feel God wants to continue to speak on this morning. So I think God's speaking, hey. Hopefully you will um, understand in a greater way as I go on. All right. Just make sure I'm up to everything. So Psalm 133, many of you might have read this, but it will come up on the screen maybe. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Who loves this scripture? Who doesn't want life forevermore? But I love uh, this scripture. It actually says the blessing and the life forevermore comes for those who dwell in unity. And isn't God so clever in Scripture? There's often we often quote the blessing, and I know I've said it, heard it said many times. You know, where there's unity, there's blessing. But there's often a precondition, and so we can't forget that. And I spoke about Psalm 91 a few weeks back. um, That he who dwells in the shadow of the Almighty or the secret place of God will find rest. So I think sometimes it's dangerous to quote the blessing without acknowledging that there's often a precondition which in this case is a commitment, a permanence, a dwelling. It's not he who (laughs) runs around like a headless chook and occasionally pops into the secret place when he needs something, will find rest. It's he who dwells in the presence of God, in the secret place of the Almighty. And this is, there's going to be a blessing and a life forevermore when we dwell in unity together. That's living, a permanence, not just popping in and out of it when it's convenient. And I really feel God wants us to grasp the power of that dwelling in unity in a greater way. And Um, I want to touch on that aspect too, not of God commanding blessing where there is unity so much, but on the, then the oil flows down all the way from the head to the edge of the robe. And I want to talk about the anointing oil of God that flows through unity. And the message version says, how wonderful, how beautiful when brothers and sisters get along. It's like costly anointing oil flowing down from the head and the beard. And who knows, ultimately, it's the oil that breaks the yoke of bondage. Leviticus, um, sorry, as it says in Isaiah 10, 27. That's why it's costly. That's why it's precious, because the anointing oil does what no human can do. It's only God that can set people free. It's only God that can empower and enable and equip and reach the broken world. And so that is why we need the anointing oil of God. Without it, our, our teaching and our efforts and everything that we do is void. We need the touch of God. And you know, when there's oil... The hardest things move easier. Not easy, but easier. There's a grace. Things aren't as hard. And uh, miracles occur. As I said, people are saved, healed, restored, and we're equipped and empowered. The oil changes everything. And this Mark Varese, who I'm talking about, I want to unpack his teaching, says, We are better off being at 100 with oil than 1,000 without oil. Mark Ewans, got some marks here this morning, said last week, What was more powerful? The 500 that's the 500 people that saw Jesus after he ascended, and we don't really hear much more about them, or the 120 in the upper room in one heart and one accord. And obviously it's the 120 where the early church explosion started. They experienced the power of God, and I believe the one heart, one accord was key to why that was such a powerful encounter, and that just made a way for the presence of God to flow. 
So as I said, I'm going to reference Mark Faris and Mark Ewans. So for the sake of clarity and not saying double names, like first and last name, I'm just going to say Dad and Mark. So Mark Faris is Mark and Dad is Mark Ewans. Just in case if you're visiting, this is my dad here, Mark Ewans. If you're thinking, what's this crazy lady going on about? Um, that is my dad, and he's also our network leader. It's great to have him here with us this morning. All right, so, Mark Varese, <laughs> or Mark, uh, says this. It might pop up on the screen. Oh, that's so good. We often bring unity teaching out of the medicine cabinet if there's a fracture, like it's a balm to mend. But if that's all we do, we've completely misunderstood and undervalued unity. God didn't set unity up only to heal or divide, but as a secret ingredient to acceleration, a weapon of mass acceleration. And so I want to talk about this weapon of mass acceleration this morning. Who knows in today's society we are all hardwired independent. We want to do our own thing. We don't like to be told what to do. And Dad said about, said about it last week too. We, we don't do together so much. We're good at finding our own destiny in God. We're good at hearing from God for our own selves. But can we grow in our ability to hear from God together and to grow together and to do life together? And as Mark Marie said, we're, we're hardwired to be independent and to do our own thing. So it's a challenge. And I think God is just so funny that he set up the perfect challenge. I know that you want to do your own thing. I know you don't like being told what to do. I know you don't like laying down your pride, but you're going to have to do it. If you want to see the anointing oil of God flow, you're going to have to learn to lay it all down and work together. God just loves the challenges, doesn't he? <laughs> and I think it's character building when we actually, everything's not easy. So, and if we can do that, we're going to see him move like we wouldn't believe. So what would happen in our church and in our community and in our own lives if we could grasp this power of unity in a greater way? It's good when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity because that anointing doesn't stay on the head. It flows all the way down to the edges. It's far more significant than we think. What does it look like for the edges of the church to have oil, for the whole body to be anointed? It looks like miracles in the car park. It looks like running into someone at Bunnings. Ryan told us his story the other day and just like saying, how are you going? And this guy ended up opening up about his whole life and Ryan was able to minister some life and hope. It looks like a delivery man showing up at our house with some timber and Josh asking him how he's going and him opening up about how he's depressed and struggling and Josh is like, whoa, what, did, what have I done here? Larry and Leanne have had so many stories they've told us similar. People who are lost and broken and hurting and they just touch base with them or have a coffee and then they just pour out their life and their pain and they give in opportunity to minister the touch of God and the same thing with our mums in playgroup who maybe are struggling to have babies or having miscarriages we've had opportunity to pray with them and bring the touch and the hand of God into their lives and I've had countless stories with mums in the schoolyard on the footy field I just ask how they're going and then they open up about how their kids are being bullied and how they're struggling and their sons are struggling with pornography addictions and la da 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 and lo and behold I'm giving given an opportunity to bring the touch of God or some encouragement from God or some wisdom people are longing for the touch of God through us and they may never make it into the four walls of the church but if the edges are anointed with oil then they're going to get a touch with God in their worlds right where they need it that's what it looks like for the edges to have oil we prayed for swelling in the car park the other day and his back was healed doesn't need to happen at the altar in a worship song God can minister outside the four walls outside of our construct of where we think he might like to minister and I know Lynn Candela has stories, and there's probably many stories. We are in an open heaven season, people. Go down the street, make a friend, talk to someone in your workplace, as Dad shared about. People are searching and longing for a touch of God. And we don't have to, it's not even our effort, it's just the, the touch of God that is um, um, making a difference and breaking into people's worlds at the moment. And I just think we're on the verge of something incredible. It's a move of God. So oil on the edges, it's not just the pastors or the elders or within these four walls on a Sunday. The oil needs to flow out and into our worlds to those who most need it. And could it be that there's a oneness in heart in some of these ones that are experiencing the oil flow all the way into the worlds? Could there be that that's a oneness that has actually allowed the oil to flow through them? They've committed to dwelling in unity no matter what the cost. God says, stay united and I'll keep you anointed. And Dad shared this again last week, that, uh, that Crouch, that quote from Donna Crouch, when, um, who's one of the Hillsong team members. What's your secret, Hillsong, and you know, what, how have you got such an amazing team, and what's the secret to success? And as Dad said, she said, we've had every excuse to be offended at Brian and Bobby, but we've chosen not to be. 
So I think there's a real intention in our choosing to remain united and together, to not allow offence to creep in so we can dwell in unity and, and not just bring it out when there's a tension, like, oh, someone's fighting, let's bring out unity, let's work on it. If we can learn to dwell in unity, it's going to create a way for God to move all the way, um, down to the edges, tip of the robe, and uh, it's powerful. So, and the church that is anointed doesn't just have stuff happening in the altar, it's everywhere. Kids' church, music team, rehearsals, in the service team, every aspect anointed within church and outside of it, not just on the beard or head. So is oil flowing to us or through us is another good thing to ask because sometimes when we're disconnected, the oil will get to us and stop. And in church life, we might think, oh, what's happening over in this area? And we look for like function of what can we do differently? And um, maybe we need to work on pastoral ministry more. Or maybe we need to have some more follow-up or maybe there's issues. And Mark Marie says, look for unity. Always check for unity. If there's been a stop of the anointing, the flow, check for unity. It's a precondition to the oil flowing through and into every area. You want to be anointed, stay united. And the woman with the issue, in, the issue of blood in the Gospels, and um, this was spoken about a lot at Shout Conference, actually, and I know Nancy, who was uh, there, and Josh was there, and Dad was there, and they got uh, so much out of it, and I think Josh will unpack this more. But I just want to say this morning about this, she touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Thank God there was oil on the edges of Jesus' garment that day. And I think it's a prophetic picture of the church that people are reaching out and they're just looking for a touch and they might not make it into church on a Sunday to the altar. They not, might not make it here for ministry, but they're in our worlds and we can take the touch of God out there. What happened if all the miracles happened outside the church? What would that look like? And um, the devil understands the power of unity better than us, I think he doesn't attempt to bring disunity because he wants to break up our friendships. And um, Mark Vary says, we're way too charismatic for that anyway. We'll just find a new friend or we'll find a new church or we'll find a new husband or a new wife, which isn't biblical, but that's just the way the world is these days. Oh, that doesn't matter. We'll move on. It's not the goal to break up our friendships. The goal is to break up the flow of the anointing oil of God. And friendships is a bonus, but it's not the main thing. The enemy is clever. He knows what he's doing. So... The enemy sows division to fragment unity and stop the flow. And I love Jesus' prayer in John 17, um, verse 20 to 23. Might come up on the screen or I can read it in my Bible. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, have loved them even as you have loved me. And again, that's the heart cry of Jesus to God. Make them one, make them one, make them one. He understands the power of it. He knows how hard it is. And he knows that when we are one, the power of God is given free access from the body to the world. And I think may we grasp that in a greater way. And what's at stake if we're not one? The oil doesn't flow all the way to the edges. And Josh was talking to another man at work the other day who was suicidal and just said, I, don't, I think my family would be better off without me and Josh was able to minister some hope and some love and some truth to this man and just help him I guess break out of that construct of darkness and depression that he was in and um, and then Angie Bell also ended up there and was able to pray for this young man this man might not have made it he didn't make it he couldn't make it to church on a Sunday he wasn't going to make it he needed a touch from God in his world then and there and what if he hadn't got that who knows if the story had have ended entirely different those precious families that dad is working with and spoke briefly about last week or that Lisa is working with aren't going to make it. Those broken kids don't have a way often to get into church on a Sunday, but we can take the touch of God into their worlds through the presence that is within us. And the same for each and every one of us in our workplace, on the schoolyard, at footy training, wherever we are, we can take the touch of God to a lost and dying world. People want more anointing. God says stay united. People say, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> It's a precondition to the flow. And it can be frustrating that God has gridlocked our inheritance in unity. It means we have to like each other. It means we have to get along. It means we have to serve each other. And isn't that so much fun? <laughs> now, it can be really rich and really sweet, but it's often hard work. 
And, you know, I've spoken on the stages of community before and how we move through into true community. That's basically keys on how to remain unified in spite of difference. And um, is everyone still with me? I'm not speed speaking. All right, let's just take a breath. <laughs> um, you might think, why are you always banging on about this unity business? We're gracious and tolerant towards a lot. Um, I, I think sometimes maybe we're too relaxed. But in terms of unity, we take it very seriously because we know what's at stake. And Dad said last week in Sydney he'd been accused of being like Hitler as a leader. We've been accused of similar, being controlling, like the Catholic Church and whatnot, which is bizarre. But Mark Verre says that it can sound like you're autocratic or dictatorial, or that you should hear the rumours, because <laughs> Kirsty's face is looking shocked. When you won't tolerate disunity in your team or church, um, sorry, let's just say that again. Mark says it can sound like you're an autocratic or dictatorial leader. When Dictatorial. <laughs> Thanks for being the interpreter. <laughs> Dictatorial leader when you won't tolerate disunity um, in your team or in your church. But when you realise what's at stake, you'll do what it takes to protect it and to resist the undermining, the whispers, the religion, the offence that brings division and ultimately stops the flow of God to a lost and dying world. It's not our way or the highway, it's unity or no flow. That's why we bang on about unity and remaining connected at a heart level. We recognise what is at stake and we're not willing to pay the price for the oil, the flow of the oil to be stopped to a lost and broken world. So we will resist disunity and division and lies like there's no tomorrow because we, there's a greater cost, um, I guess, um, at risk. How do you say that, greater cost? Anyway, get the point. So, if we can get this right, there'll be more people finding Jesus in our world, more miracles on the work site, more opportunities to minister the love and hope of God at footy training or in the schoolyard, more communities changed and more of God's kingdom advancing throughout the earth. I firmly believe what I'm talking about this morning are keys to unlocking the kingdom in a greater way. If a church of 100 gets united and therefore anointed, we've got 100 revivalists. You don't need like a school on how to be revivalist or how to share God, it just flows, it just happens. It's just a touch of God that flows through unity. It's a move of God in motion, a kingdom explosion, explosion underway. And that's why I'm so excited for this group here and what this represents. It represents one heart, one accord. It represents the potential for the flow and the heartbeat of God to go all the way from the head right to the edges to a lost and broken world. And church, if we can remain united, and I feel this is of utmost importance, the enemy's tried his hardest to divide and conquer and to cause issues to arise. But those of you who are here, you're still here for a reason, and that is amazing. There's a purpose in that, and I believe if we can remain united, we're going to continue to see God move like you would, ne like we've never seen him move before. Unity is not only a weapon of mass acceleration, but I believe a weapon of mass destruction against the kingdom of darkness. And so is what I see here, church, is a weapon of mass acceleration for the kingdom purpose of God to be outworked through us and in our community, but also a weapon of mass destruction on the kingdom of darkness. The, the depression, the pain, the hopelessness, the despair that we're talking about in these people's worlds is being dispelled with one touch of God. That's why this is a weapon of mass destruction, a weapon of mass acceleration, a representation of one heart, one accord that's going to allow the presence of God to flow to a lost and broken world. It's a move of God in motion, church. Can you feel what I'm saying? Is there a resonance? Yeah? Give me a shout out. Yeah, that's good. Um, and I've said this before, but unity is not about agreement. We don't have to all think the same. It's not uniformity. If it's only our agreement holding us together, then we're going to fall apart regularly because we're always going to disagree. We don't have to all think and talk the same. Unity is about our commitment. Our commitment brings unity and when we disagree, our commitment brings us back together. Hey, I might not disagree, but, you know, we're committed to each other. We're committed to the cause of Christ. And so that disagreement is less important than our commitment to the greater cause and to each other. Are we committed to each other and are we committed to the cause of Christ? Let's keep the main thing the main thing. May we unite over our commitment to this, as Ron spoke about a few weeks ago, our common union. Let's focus on the things that unite us. Our common union, our commitment will pull us back together regardless of any disagreement because we know what's at stake. <clears throat> and we are a diverse people. We're old, we're young, from all different places. I think that's beautiful. But may there be a strong underlying commitment that holds us together. 
And, you know, unity isn't always a good thing. The Tower of Babel was a picture of unity. Unity can unite or destroy, depending what we unite or commit around. We can unite around negative things that ultimately destroy. And who knows that negative people just find each other? You don't need to say, hey, all the negative people who are offended at God and the church and Christianity, come over here, we're going to have a meeting. They're just drawn to each other like ants to honey. (laughs) Their commitment to fault finding draws them together. Commitment is a powerful thing. We can unite around things that destroy or we can unite around things that build. Let's unite around things that build and bring unity and create a flow from heaven to earth. Keep the main thing the main thing. And we only have a certain amount of mental, emotional, physical energy. Let's pour it into the things, uniting around the things that matter. Because if we're just complaining and unhappy, and that takes a lot out of us, a lot of energy, and we have nothing left to commit to building what matters. So, and regarding the oil, the Bible talks about it in two ways. The first way is the oil in us. And, you know, that just comes through connecting with God, His presence in us. Uh, It's our responsibility to wait on God for this. And Rosie spoke about it so well a few weeks back again. Love listening to her on SoundCloud. That seek first God and His kingdom and He'll fill us and... And Dad added at the end of that, sometimes we struggle to actually seek God, to connect with him because we're conflicted in our heart and um, there's pain and there's wound and may God bring a healing to that. If we're struggling to actually connect with God, maybe there's some pain or some hurt that God wants to minister to so we can connect with him and be filled with that oil within us. So it talks about this in Matthew 25 when it talks about the parable of the ten virgins. So this is what it says, just um, to add a bit of context. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour. That's a pretty weighty scripture. Five of them didn't have oil and they tried to borrow it. Can I have some of your oil? And they're like, nope, that's ours. You've got to go get your own oil. We are only responsible for the oil within us. We can't borrow it from someone else. It comes through our own connection to God, our own relationship with him. So may we not um, be found empty. May we be able to connect with God and actually find that infilling of the presence of God. And the second um, oil is the oil on us, in us and on us, which comes from unity and connecting us to the head and each other. And Mark Vary says this, some people have a lot of oil in them. They love the presence of God and allowing God to fill them, but they don't have any oil on them. They don't like authority. They don't like submission. They don't like to be told what to do. So they're walking around full of oil in them, but no oil on them because they don't like remaining connected. They're out of the flow. They're prey to the enemy. And, you know, when we are out of that... um, that anointing, that flow, that togetherness, it does mean that we're prey to the enemy. There's a protection. It says in Psalm 133, when you're in unity, dwelling together, there's a blessing and life forevermore. I think life forevermore speaks from, of protection because we're not dying. There's life forevermore. There's a protection and a grace and a strength in that dwelling and that togetherness. And, you know, people talk about covering like, oh, it's such a mystical thing that if you're out on your own, you're going to be exposed to the, like the enemy. It's just common sense. There's power in our togetherness and our strength that brings a protection from God. But we also have one another's back. With the 99 sheep and the one, the shepherd went after the one. I know that speaks of a lost sheep, but he wasn't worried about the 99 because they had each other and there's a power and a strength and a protection in our togetherness. Power in numbers. And I guess the lone soldier who thinks he can change the world on his own without connection or covering from others is deluded and is prey to the enemy. Again, Leviticus 26, 8, five of you will chase 100 and 100 of you will chase 10,000. The power and strength 
we have actually increases in our togetherness. The first one increased 20-fold and then 100-fold the more there was. The more of us united and together, the greater the power. Out on your own, you don't have much power, strength and protection. It's the oil that brings blessing and life forevermore, but we only get it if we're connected. So, and it's where the covering and protection comes from. It's not like us, Josh and I as pastors or a supreme leader that's covering everyone. It's God. It's the presence of God that brings a covering and a blessing and a protection. And isn't that refreshing? It's like, it's not our responsibility. It's God who covers us all as we remain connected. All right. I'm just going to have a drinks break. Everyone's still awake? Seth is not. <laughs> Looks nice and relaxing. All right, so God says, I've got a test. You want blessing, life, and protection. Stay connected. May we lean in and not sit back. And, you know, sometimes we can sit back and be like, oh, I'm just going to see what happens. But what looks like wisdom is actually unbelief. And we can actually just allow unbelief to rule us. And we can be hesitant and, I guess, resist leaning in and remaining connected. Unity requires an unerring commitment to each other and the cause. We've, we want the oil to flow. Let's work at being connected, leaning in to each other and um, into unity. All right. So where is our focus, as Rosie reminded us so well a few weeks ago? Are we focusing on our commitment to each other and the cause of Christ, no matter what we agree or disagree on? Or are we focusing on disagreements um, and using it as an excuse to remain disconnected? Yeah, good question. Maybe just ask ourselves that as this morning. And again, as Dad said, sometimes we need to find healing in our heart to seek God, but also to focus on the right things. Sometimes it's hard to focus on things that build if there's hurt or pain there. So may God bring anything to the light that may be even simmering under the surface in our hearts that we might not be aware of. All right, so this is kind of my last part, just some practicals. So I spoke about not uniting around things that destroy, like offence or negative things, but what do we unite around um, that actually, things that are actually going to build and um, <laughs> allow God to flow? So following on with this teaching, the first one is, may we unite around the future and not the past, and yeah, that might pop up. If we unite around the past, we create nostalgia. If we unite around the future, we create momentum. Unity is not built, unity um, that is not built around the past but where we are going actually takes great risk and courage because we've never been there before. In Isaiah 43, God says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's new. We've never been there before and we're not going to know what it's going to look like. So it takes risk and courage and trust to actually lean in and be like, God, we don't know where you're taking us but we're going to follow and we're going to lean in together and we're in this together, um, whatever it looks like. I'm going to jump in and commit. And, you know, I love the past. I get very nostalgic. I'm thankful for the past. I love looking back on it. And as Josh uh, said uh, a while ago in one of his messages, the past has shaped us. It's helped us be who we are today. And we've learned from our mistakes. But it doesn't define us. And I think when we unite around the future and not the past, we can laugh at the past, the pain, the mistakes, the hurts. It's like it doesn't define us. So it's not part of our identity. And we can be like, oh, remember when that happened? How silly was I or how crazy was that? And it doesn't have a hold on us. So maybe if the past has a hold on you and you're struggling to look forwards, again, may God bring a healing. Our destiny is in our unity and our commitment to the future. As I said earlier, we've only got so much emotional energy. Let's park it in the future. And, you know, it's not about age either. As Dad said last week, and I had had it in my notes. Also, before Dad spoke, I had this in my notes two weeks ago. <laughs> I've had um, Lynn and Nancy, like incredible older people who actually are future-minded and young in spirit. And I think we can, doesn't matter whether you're young or old, we can still park our energy in the future. And then I know younger people who are stuck in the past. So it's not about age, it's just about heart and what we choose to focus on. What we unite around will determine how God accelerates. Okay, so that was the first one. Let's park our commitment in the future and our, let's unite around that. The second one is kingdom principles and not preferences. And, you know, a good question to ask is, what's kingdom culture and what's our culture? And is what we want to unite around is kingdom culture. It's the word of God. Preferences do make us diverse. And uh, what, what makes us so rich as a group of people that we're all different, but it's kingdom principles uh, that will unite us and 
uh, uh, Ryan might pop this up again from Mark. When we unite around preferences, it creates segregation. When we unite around principles, it cements foundation. And, you know, the songs we sing, how we put out the chairs, whether the kids are eating the adult biscuits after church, the colour of the walls are all preferences. They're not kingdom principles. People will fracture over the smallest thing because they made a principle out of a preference. What are the kingdom principles that we unite around and what are preferences we need to let go of? Again, we've only got a certain amount of emotional energy and commitment. Let's not get too fussy over the preferences. Pour it into what matters. So sometimes we can make principles out of preferences, but then on the other hand, we can turn kingdom principles into preferences. We need to be careful of this too. And how crazy that we're living in a world that are calling some of the kingdom principles of God preferences. That we can pick and choose, I guess, uh, what we listen to. God calls marriage between a man and a woman a principle. The world has decided it's a preference. Woo! We need to be careful of negotiating on kingdom principles as they are what cement foundation. It undermines the foundation in our lives when we start to pick and choose what suits us and what doesn't. It's playing with fire. And I'm going to unpack this a little bit more in future weeks. I want to speak a bit more what that looks like to actually build our life upon kingdom principles. But, you know, yes, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. But if we build our lives on the rock, Jesus and his truth, you'll stand when the storm comes. If we build our life upon turning principles into preferences and not the truth and the word of God, it's built on sand and we won't stand. What foundation are we building our lives upon? And I'll just quickly read out of Matthew 7, um, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I think that's a powerful picture of building a house upon the rock, kingdom principles, the truth and God's word. It's a solid foundation. And yes, the rain will fall on the righteous and the unrighteous, but if we're not built upon the rock, if we compromise in our kingdom principles, it's going to undermine the foundations in our life because principles cement foundation. So what are the kingdom principles of God? What does his word say? That's what we unite around. That's what we build upon. And Mark Varese says this, the word is timeless We don't have to drag the Bible into the 21st century. The Word's trying to drag us into eternity. Let's build unity around principles of God, not preferences. The early church centered around the apostles' doctrine, not the apostles' preference or personalities or their twist on the Word. It was the apostles' doctrine. So, kingdom principles, key, key, key. May we unite around that, our commitment to that. Number three. This is the last one. May we center unity around relationships, not roles. And, you know, as I said in my message on encouragement not long ago, if we're looking for position or role, we'll be let down. It's not about position or role. It's about relationship. We're on a mission together to see the kingdom of heaven advance. We're doing life together, not roles together. And uh, our role doesn't matter. It's our relationship with each other that makes or breaks the purpose, um, the connection, the flow. And we're not anti-clarity on roles, but roles do change. Our relationship with one another remains. It transcends everything. And as Dad said last week, God wants to build relationships that last a lifetime, that transcend time and distance and disagreement. Relationships that are built on a love that covers and a grace that enables and connects, even in spite of difference. All right, so I feel like I've been talking a little while. So I just want to show a little clip I was debating about whether to include it, and then I thought, I will, because I love clips and I love war movies. So, spoiler alert, this is from 12 Strong. If you're hoping to see this and you don't want to know the ending, leave now. <laughs> Go help at Kids Church uh, or block your ears and cover your eyes. Um, but I actually feel this story is a really um, powerful picture of togetherness. It's obviously not the Bible, but, you know, God is in everything and through everything and over everything, and I think we can draw God from anything if we have eyes to see. So just a brief explanation, these 12 men have gone into Afghanistan on a mission from the government and they're working with the locals there to actually take um, Al-Qaeda strongholds. And um, this is at the end of their mission, they're just having this little conversation and I will unpack it 
a little bit more at the end. But yeah, just have a watch and a listen. Just one second, please. About this about their mission. Against overwhelming odds, all 12 members of the US Army Special Forces ODA 595 survived their mission. The capture of Mazari Sharif by the horse soldiers and their counterparts is one of the US military's most stunning achievements. Military planners predicted it would take two years. Task Force Dagger did it in three weeks. Al-Qaeda considers this to be their worst defeat. And I just think, obviously these men are highly skilled and highly trained, but as you see in this movie, it's a really powerful picture of togetherness. That they were willing to follow their commander and do whatever it takes together. Oh, is it working now? Change your extraction side, huh? Yeah, I didn't think you'd walk far enough. Yeah, I was thinking, you know what? My knees feel way too good. <laughs> well, they look good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you see the medic? Yeah. Feels good, huh? What, sitting down? Awesome. <laughs> oh, we can finally see one through. Yeah. Yeah. We won the battle, you know? Still gotta win the war. Yeah, that ain't up to us. Ain't our job anyway, though, right? Yeah. So where are you gonna point us to next? I'm putting this home. I'll follow you there. I'll follow you anywhere. <laughs> Thank God for that. such a good movie you have to go home and watch the whole thing but what a powerful image of togetherness and unity and how amazing that this mission was meant to take two years and 
these men did it in three weeks. And yes, as I said, they were skilled, but I think there was something as you watch the movie in their camaraderie, their togetherness, their ability to work together and have each other's backs. You know, they weren't precious about their roles. As I said, it's about relationship, not roles. Whether some of them had to stay behind, some, some of them had to walk by foot um, through the desert into the um, strongholds of Al-Qaeda and some had to ride in on horseback with the commander. They were like, whatever it takes, we'll do it. They were like, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. There was no lone soldiers going out to try and be a hero. They were all about the mission and the cause and having each other's backs. And they achieved their goal. And I just think there's actually powerful kingdom principle in that. And I actually love that image at the end too, where they're really spent after the battle. And, you know, they're like, oh, we did it. You know, what, what a good feeling. And who knows that feeling of you've had a battle and it's been hard work and it's been exhausting. But that feeling of contentment that, you know, it's all worth it. The battle is all worth it for the victory at the end. And I actually feel like there's a lot more ahead of that church. Yes, there's going to be battles to overcome. And that feeling of, oh, we did it. We did it together. And we actually saw a victory brought about. And he says there, we won the battle, but we haven't won the war. And, you know, there's going to be battles in life, but Jesus has already won the war. And it's just about possessing that victory on earth, seeing it outworked. And... Um, uh, as Dad said too last week about this, we are just possessing the victory. God conquers, he already has. We possess, the children inherit and, and that is the future. So um, as this little clip shows, you don't need many to change the world. These 12 brought about the conquest of evil in Mazari Sharif. 12 disciples following Jesus changed the world. You only need a few in agreement and commitment to one another to actually change the landscape of earth and heaven. And again, just that last little bit where he said, where are you pointing us to his commander? And he said, I'm pointing us home. Heaven is our home and we're on a mission to bring as many people with us home at the end of the day that none should perish. All right, so let's pour our commitment into unity around things that build relationships not roles let's pour into the future not the past and let's pour into kingdom principle the word of God and not preferences let's stand and you know as I said these things that will change change the landscape of earth and uh, and the population of heaven I'm going to get the band up and uh, we're just going to sing our worship song whatever worship song you want to sing guys so do we want oil to flow to the edges church and then we need to continue to dwell together in unity and to even do that in a greater way. And thank, let's just thank God for oil in us, but also on us. Psalm 133, how does acceleration, multiplication, blessing, life forevermore happen? It happens through unity, dwelling together in unity. And, and obviously what's at stake, as I said earlier, is the oil on the edges. I believe we're on the verge of something big. Let's keep fighting to remain connected. And um, who here this morning is excited, keen to commit to the future, to relationships and to kingdom principles and the word and to each other right now because who knows the oil flowing is dependent on our relationship with the person to the right or to the left of us on the other side of the room. That's what it's dependent on. And I just want to share this last little gem of wisdom too from Mark Verice. It's important to understand how the oil works. Unity in the body without oil on the head is a powerless pastor with a friendly church. Oil on the head without unity in the body is a powerful pastor with a spectator church. You don't get the car park miracles. You don't get the God encounters on the side of the footy field or in the schoolyard on the edges. But oil on the head and unity in the body is revival. And that's the goal here. Oil on the head flowing all the way down through the edges, through unity. And you know, there's people crawling through the crowd to touch the hem of the robe. I don't need to prophesy. We're coming into a season where people are going to crawl through the edges of the crowd to touch the hem of the robe. People are doing it. Those stories I shared earlier, people are pushing through the crowd just to get a touch, one touch with the presence and the power of Jesus. And they'll take whatever they can get, whether it's a touch on the edge of the robe, they might not be able to get in here at the altar get an appointment with a minister or a leader, but they'll take anything they can get. People are crawling through the edges, church, to get an encounter with the presence of God. Is there gonna be oil on the edges? Are they gonna get there and find wanting? There's no oil on the edges. It's dependent on us. It's dependent on our 
relationship with one another. Let's believe there's going to be oil on the edge when people reach out to touch. So, God, we just want to close your eyes and I'll pray for us. We just stand here this morning, God, in one heart and one accord. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to take a few minutes. We're just going to pray. And I just want you to pray right now for the person to the right and to the left of you. Let's just pray and continue to thank God for unity, one heart, one accord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. We thank you so much for the relationships that exist here, for the power of our unity and our connection, God. Help us to continue to focus on one another and remaining connected and committed to you and the cause. And where there's been disagreements and where there's been hurts maybe and maybe where offense has crept in or lies have crept in, God, I thank you that you're going to continue just to touch on those things and make them clear to us and bring a deep healing in our hearts. And people, I feel here this morning that there's some who are really struggling to let go of the past. It just keeps drawing you back and you're trying to focus on the future, but it just keeps drawing you back. And I feel this morning that God's drawing a line in the sand. He's saying that was the past and no longer is it going to have a hold over you and you're going to be able to laugh at the past and you're going to be able to run into the future without being held back. And so I thank you for that this morning. For those maybe who have had terrible, horrific, painful experiences in the past that they're struggling to let go of, I thank you that there would be a letting go this morning, a freeing freeing that comes only from your presence and your touch, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just think even if maybe God reveals something to you, maybe there's need for repentance. God, I'm sorry I've been trying to do my own thing. or I'm sorry I've been offended at this person. Or sorry I haven't trusted. I've been, been holding on to unbelief. I actually believe as we say sorry, as we yield afresh to God and His presence and as we commit to each other, it's actually enabling the flow to flow afresh in a greater way, God. So I thank you for fresh flow, for fresh flow, for fresh flow, God, as you just speak to us, as you touch on things in our heart, you're actually enabling the anointing flow to continue to flow, to flow in a greater way, God, all the way, all the way to the edges, to a lost and a broken world. And we thank you that when people reach out just for a touch, desperate for an encounter with you, God. When they touch the edges, they're going to have an encounter with you. There's going to be oil on the edges. And I thank you for what this represents, God. For the unity, the togetherness, the weapon of mass acceleration, the weapon of mass destruction, God, that is in this place against the kingdom of darkness. We are so excited for the future, God, and we choose to run into it together with one another, God, with you at our head, God. Ultimately, we commit to you and your purpose and your cause. And what a privilege to be on this journey together. We love you so much, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. We're just going to worship and may God continue to speak and if there's anything He wants to speak about and just continue to knit us together in a great way in that oneness. Thanks, team.